you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Harry Spate. His website is sellwithdignity.com. He has a book called, actually, I don't have your book up. I have your podcast up over here, which is Sales Made Easy. And I believe your book title is Selling with Dignity. So I got that. And uh, let's just jump right into this first challenge that people have with selling, whether they're creating education companies or they're an agency that serves that market. We all need to sell, but some of us just don't like selling. And so we kind of put it off and we put it off and then ultimately we have to face this beast. So how do we sell if we don't like selling? Yeah, it's a great question. And the it's so common, uh, Chris. So first of all, thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate the opportunity. My goal is Try to help someone today so that they can walk away and feel better about selling themselves or selling for their business. So the big challenge is, is that most people these days, younger generation does not want to come across looking like a salesperson. They don't want to be viewed as salesy. They don't like the tactics. And with the rise of Parvana and a lot of other websites like Amazon, where you can buy virtually everything, people can bypass the salesperson, which is really for the first time in the last probably 10 or 15 years where this has become pretty normal compared to years ago. So we all want to avoid the salesperson, yet we have to sell. So what do we do? And I think the real key to this is view yourself as a servant for others, just like the server at a fine dining restaurant serves but they're also selling because they have to ask for the order, but they do it in a way that is polite and respectful. And most people don't even view the server as someone that sells. So that's my thought. What's your take on that? <laughs> I think that's awesome. I, I personally, early in my career, now I love selling, but I used to have that aversion to it and marketing as well. But um, to me, selling is almost like a moral obligation to help people. And if you believe in your product, that's a pretty easy job to do. Um, but one area I'd like to dig into with that is some of the resistance comes from imposter syndrome or, you know, a negative connotation of not wanting to be perceived as like salesy. So how do we kind of get over that personal mindset issues on the front end? Well, I think one of the key things is, is that if you're thinking you're salesy, you're not. I used to have this come up frequently with salespeople who viewed themselves as being pushy or over the top. And I said, anyone who thinks or is worried about it isn't. It's the ones, and it's just the same is true with the imposter syndrome. The only ones who are worried about the imposters, uh, about imposters, imposter syndrome are people who are not imposters. <laughs> the imposters could care less, right? So the same is true. If you're feeling like you're being a little salesy, you can ask people. It's okay when you ask your 
clients, when you have clients, you can ask them, it's like, how do I come across? Do I come across more as a consultant or do I come across salesy because I'm working at improving? And getting feedback from people that see you in real time can be very helpful. How about, um, I think, well, let me just back up and say in marketing, you know, generating the lead these days, a lot of folks do content marketing in a way. That's what we're doing right here. We're creating useful yeah. content. And if the people resonate, they, they kind of go deeper into the relationships with the people they're seeing there. Um, but there's this friction, especially in the early days of being an agency or a course creator, where if we have a email or if we don't have an email list and we're tr still trying to validate like, Hey, will anybody buy my course or my coaching or my agency website building service? It can make sense to go out into the world and actually do some prospecting or, you know, working with cold leads that don't know you from Adam. And that I think is the most scary part. It's one thing if somebody's raised their hand and they're sitting in your email inbox, just like the, the restaurant example of you're in the restaurant, you've already raised your hand. Like I would like to eat the food here. But if we go out into the world, how do we do that with dignity for outbound prospecting or outbound sales? Yeah, that's such a great question. And uh, it's funny how you mentioned that, but that, that used to be the way it always was for sales. So imagine right before there was a telephone, people were selling and they did it face to face. And then the advent of the telephone made it a little bit different where there is more opportunity to reach people without visiting them. Then email came in, probably a few other forms of technology I'm skipping, but each one you were less then face-to-face, each improvement, you were further removed from the face-to-face. -face. And so even in difficult circumstances in sales, I'm going to answer your question. I'll try to be short, but in the difficult circumstances in sales, I always want to be face-to-face. -face. You want to be able to see what the other person is saying with their face while you're speaking because they're going to give you micro expressions off of their mouth and their eyes and either a little bit of a half smile or a frown that you're going to pick up on, and then you're going to be able to respond accordingly. You can't really do that over the phone, and you sure as heck cannot do it over email. And this is a huge mistake because a lot of people will go and try to close a deal or work on a big issue through email, and it's like so much can go wrong with interpretation. But getting back to this, this question. So the face to face, if we think about it, is really very normal. And when you put yourself out, and I've, I, I have to do it as well, is I'm going to go out to community events, network with people, chamber events. I have been in the car, folks, with my fingers clenched onto the steering wheel, all sweaty thinking, oh my God, what is going to be in front of me when I go in there? Uh, are people going to like me? Am I going to look stupid? Am I in the right place? Is there going to be a good old boys club or something along with all these negative thoughts? But then when I bring it back to reality, I say, okay, I'm going to go help one person. I'm going to make someone's day and give them some of my time. I'm going to give them the listening that I can give them. I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to make them hopefully feel good about what they're doing 
and show genuine interest. When I do that, all the fear and all the nonsense goes away. So when you're talking to people, I think the key thing is how can you make someone's day? Bring a smile to their life. Yes, we're going to make asks throughout it, but bring a smile, be charismatic, do something that not everyone else is doing. That's really my thought on that. What's your take? I think that's great. And to sell is just a conversation. It's being human. And again, you're just trying to help people. And instead of waiting to come to you, you're going to find them. And, and they, they might, that will make their day. If you can help them and with your offer, your product, they'll be glad that your, your paths have crossed and you made the effort to make those paths cross. Absolutely. I was wondering, hey, if you could describe the sales process, sometimes it takes, you know, it may be just like one interaction. You go from just meeting to closing a deal. Other times it could have a long sales cycle, like six months or something like that, or even longer. But, you know, there's these stages of sales ending with the close, you know, qualifying the lead and all these fancy sales terms. But could you explain like the choreography of sales and, yeah. and a language that we can all understand. Oh my goodness. I, I've been known to keep things simple. I do not like to use terms that uh, people can't relate to. So closing is just bringing the order to completion. Doesn't mean the end of the sale because there should be a lot of follow up afterwards. But way I look at it is selling should be easy. So when people struggle with sales frequently, they're speaking to the wrong people. So they're trying to bring to fruition. They're trying to close business. They say things like, I have a lot of conversations. I just can't close. Well, the first thing that needs to happen is that we need to be speaking with people that recognize they have an issue. If they don't recognize after a conversation that they have an issue, you can have the best thing in the world. It does not matter. If they don't see themselves as having an issue, they are not going to buy. I don't care how persuasive you are. The second thing they need to do is recognize if this is worth money. Whatever the money is, if they don't see the value in it and say things like, uh, before I had a coach, the first time I spoke to someone that did coaching and went, wow. Oh my God, that's a fortune. I didn't have any clue. I had nothing to benchmark that against. So the poor person was trying to defend themselves and chuckled back. It's like, well, I didn't really have a problem and I certainly didn't want to invest it. But that all changes when you recognize, well, if I really want to grow a business and I want to know all the things I already know about marketing and so forth, I need somebody and them saving me years is worth the money. So that's just the thought to help your people who are doing programs. So first thing is, is speak to the right people. And then the next thing that you want to do is, I just have a servant-minded attitude. So instead of leading with your product and service, find out what they need. What are they trying to achieve? When you find out what they're trying to achieve, you can then typically tie in your product or service to help them get what it is that they want. Okay, so talk to the right people, go in with a servant-minded attitude, 
get what is important to them. Once we do that, they, we figure out that, hey, now there's an opportunity here. We do simple discovery questions. We should have a list of, you know, five to 10 questions, not a million questions, but a few questions that help us determine, you know, what they have done before, if they've ever investigated something like this. Someone might say, Chris, um, I want a learning management system. And you're going to go, great, this is what I have, and this is how much it is, right? You want to do that. You would think through it and say, why, right? What what would you use it for? You would ask all of these questions, and those are the things that we should be asking. So then we get to the point where we've asked the questions. Everything looks to be pretty positive. The next step at that point is, Say I use the the perfect close from James Muir's book, The Perfect Close. He simply says a good next step for many at this point is we review a proposal or we speak to one of our clients that's doing something similar. Whatever that good next step is, lay it out and say, is that a good next step for you? And if the person says yes, you've got a good next step. If they say, no, I'm not ready for it, James suggests, say, good. Or just say, I understand what is a good next step for you. So you always have a forward-moving process here instead of it getting stuck where someone says, well, um, this is all great. I'm going to think it over. And then the inexperienced one will say, uh, what's there to think over? Right. And it's now we're challenging that instead of being polite and respectful and getting on the same side of the table as them. And then, you know, saying a good next step. Normally what people say they're going to think it over is that they will talk to one of our clients. Does that sound like a good next step for you? You know, you get sure, no. And then you've got a good next step that they're going to give you. And now you're just following along until you bring it to a good next step at this point is. We draw up the paperwork. Does that sound like a good next step for you? It's that simple. Awesome. I love that. And getting getting agreement along the way and you, you're ready if they're not ready to help them figure out if what might be the next step for them. Could you say one more time that um, the perfect close line again, a good yeah, next step? Or could say that uh, one again. Yeah. So you can say something along the lines, you know, put your own personality on it, but say a good next step for us, Chris, is typically we review a proposal. Does that sound like a good next step for you? Nice. Right? And you're going to get yes or no. Yes, you're going to review the proposal. No means what would be a good next step for you? And you're now just putting the ball back in their court. I had a question for you about quote, objection handling, but you've already kind of answered it with just follow them down the path they're going. And if they need help, oh, maybe you need to see some case studies or talk to somebody who's already purchased before. Is there any other advice you have around when a quote objections pop up? Right. I I love how you're doing that. So there's, why are you saying objections like that? I'm just curious what's coming to mind for you. Um, I think about aggressive closing tactics mm. where, um, oh, I'm not sure I, I, I need to talk to my spouse. And then, you know, so an aggressive salesperson would do something like, 
you know, potentially saying, trying to override that way of thinking and be like, you have, you can make this decision without them or something. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. In fact, I used to be really good at overcoming objections. And then I realized that I was winning, right? It was winning an argument was not winning a customer or winning yeah. a client. So I just stopped that once I had the awareness, I stopped using the word objection and started thinking about concern. So if someone is concerned, they're making a big decision and they want to talk to their spouse about it. Is that something we want to discourage or do we want to encourage them? Yeah, we don't want to be the the person responsible for starting a fight later right. in the day or when they... Your marriage is breaking <laughs> you up because okay. you're buying my stuff. I mean, come on. So getting, I mean, getting other people involved, it's a committee. It's a committee decision that this happens all the time in corporate. Very rarely do people make a decision themselves. There's a committee. So if they say things like, I have to get the committee involved, it's like, okay, great. Who, who makes up the committee? You know, how can I help? Well, if someone says that about their spouse, for whatever reason, we're thinking that's, that's terrible. I think it's a good thing that they're moving along the buyer's journey and making a, this is what their next step is. Now, sometimes they are going to say that just so they don't have to make a decision and get it out of their hands, but that's a whole, they just don't want to say no. And that's a whole nother issue. That tells you that they're not ready, which is fine. Okay. But laying guilt on them is not the answer. So overcoming objections to me is helping people deal with what their concerns are. Moving my chair on their side of the desk and saying, I'm here for you. I've had similar concerns, right? That's in essence what we want to be saying. So yeah, I love how you approach it. And, uh, Totally can relate. Does that answer your question? That does answer it. And I want to dig in a little bit more on like, sometimes you get a no or a rejection or they're saying something like, oh, I need to talk it over with someone, but they're, they're really just trying to exit the conversation. How, how as a salesperson should we deal with rejection and how do we tell the difference between, um, you know, that's a real concern or this, they're just trying to get off the phone or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it happens. So no is simply not now for most yeah. of us in sales. If you're talking to the right people. So again, picture your ideal client profile and say, I am working with coaches that need this program. It's going to save that X or whatever, whoever your ideal client is. You want to be speaking to those people. The numbers show, and this came from Chet Holmes, who did this study over years and years, that typically 3% of the population is in the market for what we're selling at that, at that moment. So he's, he's had people raise their hand who was today who was ready to buy tires in these huge crowds. 3% of the hands would go up. So that number is pretty consistent. So some people are not going to be in the market today. Doesn't mean they won't be another 30% or so will be interested, just not ready. And another 30 or 40% will be curious. And there'll be opportunity in those numbers as well. And then there'll be a smaller percentage 
that will just never be interested, nor will they want to do business with. We want to get through those people, excuse me, that are polite, but they're never going to do business with us. And they're not in our ideal avatar. You know, they don't have a need. There's no point spending tons of time. There's plenty of people that have a need that you can talk to in that 30 or 40% that are either in the market or will be it once they find out about you. And then the thing is just a timing game. Right. So you stay in touch until they're ready to do something. That's where email and, you know, social media can help as well. I love the quote that the fortune is in the follow up because it's oh, true. Yeah. You just have to follow up. I mean, stay connected and don't be annoying, but, you know, stay connected to people. Yeah. hundred percent. And this is a, a, a huge mistake. It sounds like it's not a mistake for you is people think no means forever. Not now. It's like, no, I got too much going on. Does not mean forever. It could be, give me a call in three months. Things settle down. This is another great opportunity where people say, you know, I've just got a lot on my mind. I, I can't do this right now. Well, instead of trying to push your offer to the front burner, I relate. I want to go. I want to let them know that there are things that I have on my mind at times and I can't think of anything else. So I'm here for you. First of all, is there anything that's on your mind that I might be able to give you a referral or somebody that might be able to help out? That would be one thing. And then as things soften and the guard drops a little bit and, you know, they feel like you're now a friend versus someone trying to sell them something. You can say, you know, Chris, I really appreciate you telling me this and spending the time with me. Sounds like you do have a ton on your plate these days. When would be a good time to follow up? Would you say 90 days? Does that sit well with you? And then you get the yes or no, right? The yes, you follow up 90 days. No is, yeah, got you. When do you think would be a good time to follow up? It might just say, give me six months. And now you put that in the calendar. Say, I'm going to pencil this in my calendar six months from today. Is that cool? And, you know, they're going to say yes, because now you're respectful. And now you've got, again, a reason to contact them. It's in the calendar. They're going to get a notification. Yeah. Keep the sale process moving. I heard a a fun acronym for that called BAMFAM. Book a meeting from a meeting. Yeah. I like (laughs) it. That's easy to remember. I'll probably say it wrong, though. (laughs) Book a um, meeting from a meeting. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk about pricing and perception of value. Mm. I find that as people kind of get into online business or really any kind of business, um, they really start to deepen their understanding of, well, what is product? What is sales? What is marketing? In my view, like pricing mostly sits in product, like it's part of the offer construction. But of course, sales needs to talk to product and give that real feedback of what's coming from the market and marketing needs to communicate to product like, Hey, what are, how to, how are people valuing this? So just, that's just sort of a setup to the question, which is, um, in the education companies, what I've noticed is there's kind of three pricing buckets for courses and coaching programs and membership sites. There's, kind of low, medium, and high. Low is anywhere from, 
you know, free to $200. Medium is from like 200 to 2000 and high ticket or whatever is 2000 and up. And so this is mostly a question for mid and high prices. If you're in a sales conversation with somebody by email or on social media or face-to-face in person, wherever it is, and you've got somebody who's really fits your ideal customer profile and you've sold similar people like that and have been very happy and successful with the program before, but the feedback you're getting in the sales conversation is, whoa, this is a $5,000 a year investment for this intensive coaching program. They, they may not say it outright, but they might be thinking, I don't know if it's worth $5,000. How do we uh, help substantiate the value without, you know, being an aggressive salesperson in terms of uh, explaining the value or helping them see the value? Yeah, this is a great question, Chris. Um, so I look at it as really having the conversations to find out what the potential buyer needs. And if we're not having that conversation and someone says, Harry, how much is your pro- pricing program? And I say, it's $7,500 for three months. Well, okay. So that's a lot of money, right? I wouldn't do that. I mean, I could say that, but I'd say first, before we even talk about pricing, let's see if there's a fit. What is it you're trying to achieve? And if they're telling me that they want to achieve something that I can't help them with, I'm not going to offer. First of all, I'm not going to make an offer to somebody that we're not on the same page with. Second thing is, if they're selling stuff for $20, they have to sell a lot of that, even just to pay for the coaching. I mean, you take $7,500 divided by 20, that's a big number. So it may not make sense but if they're selling $10,000 and up or $5,000 and up services, you now say, you can now justify by saying, look, it's one and a half cents. Will I help you get to where you want to be faster? Which I believe I will. And if someone is saying, well, I'd rather not spend the money, but it's going to take me two years. To develop those skills, how much money are you leaving on the table going through the trial and error methodology, which happens for the majority of people who say, I don't want to spend the money on a coach. It's like, okay, but over the next two years when you're struggling, not that I'm wishing that on people, but a lot of people struggle in sales. People who are really good in sales, I'd like to think I'm pretty good, is we have tons and tons and tons of hours. So you think of the 10,000 hour rule, 10,000 hours plus role playing, right? Doing real life stuff and having this be part of our everyday lives versus someone who is kind of casually doing it to grow their business. It is two different things. So whenever your program is being viewed as high, you first want to make sure, did you ask what the person was going to get outside of with their pro, with your program before you gave them the price? If you, they ask you a price, you don't want to hold back and you say, well, I got three programs. They're, you know, $500, $7,500 and $150,000, whatever the number is. You now then want to have a conversation, but they might be shell shocked 
So it's all. So I try to say before I give you the numbers, we have a little bit of a conversation. I want to find out what you need and see if I can align a program that fits what your budget is and get that ahead. And now you can ask some questions. These will be your discovery questions, like we talked about earlier. What's your thought on all of this, Chris? A long answer for a short question. No, it's a, it's a it's perfect length. It's um, I think that's fantastic. And once you understand the value of their pain point or the opportunity, then you can you know relay the value. And I think the it's just as important, like you mentioned, to focus on the opportunity cost. Well, what if you don't do anything about this? How will that impact your, your time and money and so on? Um, and if you this goes back to the first sale is to yourself. If you really believe in your product and know what it can do, you should, you know, like how impactful and effective it can be when it's used with the right people. Yeah, um, absolutely. One of my favorite parts of selling is expansion revenue, like selling more to existing customers who are happy and helping them get even greater results. But sometimes I see sales folks get super focused on always like closing new business, new business, new business. Mm. How, um, is there any kind of system or strategy for, um, you know, expanding sales with your existing customer base? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Another outstanding question. I'm, I'm being very complimentary here, but I'm legitimately impressed by the question. I refer to this. I mean, it's account-based marketing, cross-selling, expansion selling is the first I've heard of it. So thanks for clarifying as to what that is. Um, yeah, you, it's a whole lot easier to sell to people that already have you, your stuff and already love you. So we're many, many businesses are missing out on opportunities. You have already done the work. You've already established trust. They already love you. They have other things that they need your stuff. So you got to think through that. Just, I would pull a, just, I would create a little spreadsheet of who my clients are and what my products are. So now with this spreadsheet, I can say, okay, here are the gaps. I've got these higher paying clients. They've got this product, but they don't have this. Now I'm not looking just to sell product. I want to uncover what their needs are. And you just have to remove yourself from the sale. And the longer you do this, the easier it is. And just say, you know, so a good thing to do is to have business reviews. Understand how your client is using the stuff that you've sold, whether it be with technology or your services or your coaching for that matter. And say, I just want to invest some time here with you, see how everything is going and understand what you've gained so far. You're going to get all kinds of uh, reference testimonial capability on this. You're going to be able to say, can I quote you on that? Which is going to be great for another reason. But then you're going to uncover, right? When you start showing that you're really a trusted advisor, you're going to uncover different opportunities. And that is where you can say, I, I, I might be able to help you with that. I'm not sure a hundred percent, but I might be help, be able to help you with that. Would you want to explore that a little bit? Right. You've already got the trust and I'm not going to be, Oh my God, I can help you with that. Right. Cause that's, a, that's way too eager. Just pull it back. Just use words like might, possibly things along those lines. Show that you're not in there for the hard sell, and that stuff really works. So yeah, I 100% recommend that that whole approach there for you. I love the um, 
a good uh, expansion revenue model. And and this is why, even if you're a one-person business, if the sales department talks to the product department, because in those follow-ups, you learn things and the product or the service may not be ready. They, there may not be an offer there yet, but there could be in another month or six months or a year. A fun oh, example. Right. Yeah, a, it's, a fun, it's really good. Yeah, go. A Sorry. fun example from um, Lifter LMS is we created the software and people were successful with it. And, you know, they bought our payment stuff and our different things for to do different things. But then we started hearing from existing customers is that they were like, can I sell this course one to many to like companies or schools or groups of some kind? And there, our answer is like, not yet, but a year later, we have that product. And now that's just part of their buyer's journey. Once somebody finds success, they, they start thinking about scaling and, and, you know, getting more sales. And that's just like a software example of when you follow up and you hear what the next, the buyer's journey doesn't just end at the sale. You deliver the product, they activate, they retain for another year, and then they expand into more stuff. So, yeah, I, right. So you, Earlier, you mentioned how some people view the close as the, as the end of the sale. It's the middle, right? It's exactly. It's <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think about that like, uh, you know, marketing and sales up here and then customer success is below and it's, it's yeah. just as important. And that includes selling expansion stuff down there. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the idea that people are bothering their customers. By trying to sell more to them. I, I go back to what you said earlier, right? It's their, your obligation. Who would your customer rather do business with? Someone who is a complete stranger or someone they've already been working with that knows them that can help them solve another problem. So yeah, I appreciate your approach to that. It's really good. You, uh, you flew over something really quick, but I just wanted to pull it out, which was sharp. Sure. You made a comment to remove yourself from the sale. Mm. And what I want to dig in there with is where I've learned this lesson. And I wanted to ask you specifically around money mindset, particularly with um, somebody who doesn't come from a sales background and maybe they're selling yoga classes and they're not, they're not really like trained in sales or business, but um, like, and maybe they've had a hard road, which a lot of bootstrap founder folks have, and, and they're, you know, they had to be frugal and stuff. And maybe they have their own like head, uh, mindset issues around money and costs and everything. So I wanted to just ask your advice around money mindset as is and not projecting on clients. And I'll just add one short story is mm -hmm. it always amazes me when I come across. Um, somebody making a purchase that is not price sensitive at all. Like they just come in, boom, they buy the most expensive thing, no objections, anything. Yeah. And there's, and maybe you're not like that as a consumer out in the world, but there are people that are like that and that's, that's them. But just talk about removing yourself from the sale, particularly around money ideas. Well, I think I understand the questions. Uh, years ago, when I was brand new to sales, I was, um, living on the edge of poverty and I was reading or listening to, uh, cassettes back in the nineties. And I think it was, uh, well, someone really famous, Brian Tracy, I believe it could have been Tom Hopkins, 
But the line that stuck with me is act like you want the sale, but don't act like you need the sale. And when I, I immediately, that, that was like really simple for me because I knew what needy looked like. And I did not want to look needy. So when I watch salespeople around me say like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. You really need to do this. This is great. You got to love it. And it's all this stuff. I would use this may or may not be a fit. And I got my share of deals and I got the trust factor way faster. And then I realized that this was a much more consultative approach which I kind of stumbled across, but it wasn't like I need, I needed the money folks. I mean, <laughs> I was living in a, not a three bedroom apartment, a three room apartment with a sink that was not in the bathroom. I had to walk, we had to wash our hands in the kitchen. And so we were, we were living on the edge of poverty. So, but I just, I just kept acting right. You, you, it's not the fake until you make it, but you just have to act like you don't need it and it will come. And I just, uh, going back to my beliefs and faith was that, uh, I read and over the years that I did mission work, it was like every worker is worthy of their wages. You know, the birds of the field or the birds of the heavens were, are going to be fed, things like that. Lilies of the field don't worry about things. I just started applying all that stuff and said, I've got the mindset. I know this will come. I just have to just, just have faith in the system that it will all work out. And it does. Uh, uh, Alex Hermosi said there's two, two outcomes. One is you're going to succeed. And the other one is you're going to quit. There's no, and I was just like, Oh my God, is that, does that guy say anything that isn't brilliant? But that's it. It's like you stick with it long enough. You're going to have the outcome. Gary V. I remember talking to someone, uh, she was saying something along the lines. It's like, you haven't put time in at two or three years, five years, 10 years, then talk to me, but two or three years, that's not enough time. And so we, a lot of us might have this perception that we quit the job to be an entrepreneur and we just show up every day. The money comes in. Uh, it's not quite like that. What's your thought on all that, Chris? Yeah, that's awesome. The, um, yeah, I love that. I'm definitely going to hold on to that one. Like, uh, I, I've, I've heard it called commission breath. Yeah. That's another term that's out there. Yes. Where someone is peers very needy for the sale. And you know, when you're yeah. doing it, like once you get the self awareness for it, it's like, oh, wait a second. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like if a person is um saying that they might go elsewhere or they're going to they're going to shop around. Our first reaction is we we might feel a little bit hurt at that. Rejection. Like I, right? I've got I'm being rejected here. I put a lot into this. And I spoke to someone uh who felt this rejection and I asked, I said, Do you ever shop around? So, yeah, I do it all the time. So like, yeah, so why do we expect that others aren't going to do the same to us? We all do it. So just right. say, you know, just relax. Just, here's the, the key is when you're sensing this feeling, just breathe. 
it's really that simple. It's like the Navy SEAL trick. Just exhale and inhale and exhale <laughs> and practice the breathing. The tension in the shoulders drops and you can say consultant, right? Consultant, not a needy salesperson. And then you start acting like you care about the person more than the sale. And they're going to see that and say, wow, I really like this guy, Chris. He's really trustworthy. And uh, I just wanted to see what he was thinking if I said that. Because someone else I said that to jumped down my throat for saying that, right? So that could go that way too. Yeah, one thing I'd add to that is people aren't just listening to what you say. They're also watching how you listen. Mm. And uh, being a good listener ties into my next question, which you mentioned. I try not to weave too many questions into one, but a couple are here. Are You mentioned Alex Hermosi, who kind of sells selling and mm -hmm. as, a, as an art, but he's very charismatic. So that's kind of like one question. Why do you think yeah. so? The other is um, some people are, you know, more introverted and they're like, oh, can introverts sell? And uh, they absolutely can. I'm an extreme introvert and I've sold a lot of things. And uh, but I so the question is around charisma without uh, losing our authenticity. Yeah. And maybe we're super extroverted. Maybe we're not. So. Help, help us uh, kind of step into our charisma or our power as a salesperson. Yeah, this is really good. Uh, you're, you're bringing me in places I don't normally go. So I love these questions that you're making me think here. So first of all, Alex, we're not all Alex or Mosey or Gary Vee. Those guys have very strong, high, deep, uh, the disc profile personalities. I'm not like that. Um, I'm more introverted than extroverted. I recently took a test and my score was 52 introvert, 48 extrovert. So I always was thinking, am I an extrovert? Should I be doing this well in sales? Should I be, you know, should I be sitting with the people who are driving the Porsches and the BMWs and the ro wearing the Rolexes? Or no, I always sat with like the techs. I sat with people who are not in sales because I felt like I was one of them. So. Like you said, introverts can sell and do very well. And I often say to people who struggle with that, it's like, who would you rather buy from? Someone who is loud, always talking about themselves, has to be in the front row, has to share how glory, you know, how great they are. Or do you want to be the quiet person that does the right thing and hardly says anything? I know where I want to be. Right? I want to be of those people. So those, if there's an audience for those people, then there's also buyers for those people. Right. So that's how that works in my mind. Now, the difference is like, so the authenticity is some days we feel like crap. Okay. We just were not in the mood. You know, it's like I, I come from the Northeast, you know, give me a slushy rain, snow mixed day. And I've got to go out and prospect. Not fun. However, when I'm in front of a candidate, a prospect, a living human being, you can bet I'm smiling and making fun of myself or making fun of the day or someone's got to be out there. I'm going to make the mailman look bad. I'm going to use self-deprecation humor to help bring a smile to somebody. Those smiles will open up additional doors. So 
Is it faking it until you make it? Is it using an alter aspect of your personality? I think it is. It's, I think it's you saying that part of it that's in us that is not always there. I'm not always doing stand up comedy, but I know I can be funny at certain times as part of my personality, right? I know I can be extroverted when I need to be extroverted so that I can lighten up the room or, you know, be there with my kids party or something. We all do these things to say, well, I'm really introverted and I'm always quiet. I think you need to re-examine that a little bit and say, really, are you always that way? Or are you just, is, could that possibly be an excuse as to why you don't want to sell? And I think you might find that there's opportunity for growth there. And I love uh, the growth mindset. It's like, you know, read uh, the book by, uh, anyway, it's called The Growth Mindset. It, was, it will knock you out as far as putting yourself to the test and seeing if the beliefs you have are really good beliefs all the time. I love that. Long answer. <laughs> I love that. And it's, there's just that part too about just being the consummate professional, like a doctor maybe having a bad day, but you're in the office and they're in character. They're doing their, their yeah. professional thing, just like yeah. any, any role. You can tell quickly. That's what makes us like great service providers and everything is that they're professional and they, you know, they, they do their thing, um, that we're there for, that we signed up for. So. Yeah. And a lot, and sometimes it's acting and it's not bad, right? You're, you're putting on your best face because you know that you have to bring it for the other person. Like if you're going to cheer up, say you feel like, you know, less than great and you're going to go visit someone in the hospital that's, you know, has a terminal illness. You're not going to go there and bring the person down, right? That's not right. your goal. And your goal, you're going to say, I've got to put on a happy face. I've got to be positive. This is breaking my heart, but I'm going to do everything I can to be positive. That's how you think. So the person that comes out in that moment, is that a fake Chris? I don't think so. I think it's a Chris that's drawing from his inner strength and his conviction to make the world a better place. And to help this person, that's not big, Chris. That's a person that's going the extra mile to do what he can to bring some light into this person's life. I love that. Harry's at sellwithdignity.com. His podcast is Sales Made Easy. Thank you for putting so much sales advice in this short episode. We've covered a lot here and you've given so much good tips and information. Uh, what can people do to work with you or go deeper and, and how else can they connect with you? Yeah. So if you go to sellingwithdignity.com, you can get a, a few chapters of my book under sellingwithdignity.com, the book. And uh, you can see if that's an appeal to you. You can also uh, reach out for a conversation there on the website as well. So happy to have a conversation and help you with sales. First call is uh, complimentary. I've tried to get past the free word myself. I'm always working on stuff myself, but free sounds cheap. First call is complimentary and uh, happy to help you with something that might be struggling, uh, a challenge for you. That's awesome. Well, Harry, thanks for coming on the call. One last question for you. Um, who is your ideal customer that you help? Yeah, uh, I have this down. It is people who are uh, leaving corporate that have 
done pretty well in the corporate environment and are getting closer to retirement, feel like they want to make an impact, help other people, be a consultant. I am the person that can help you bridge that gap from corporate to actually serving people and getting paid for that. Uh, so those are my ideal clients. Awesome, Harry. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a blast. Great questions, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.